0: You're listening to Rockland Community Church, connecting all generations to Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and it says, In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Who is Christ the Lord? And this will be a sign for you. And you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. It's a real popular Passage around Christmas, it's a fascinating passage too because I picture being a shepherd in that day. And oftentimes people say the reason it's significant he came to the shepherds is because they were very despised in the culture. And I would go a little different route and say there's some evidence to suggest they were kind of despised, but really bigger and of more importance, I think, is how insignificant they were in the culture. It actually became pretty easy to become a shepherd, you could sort of train anybody. To do it, you have to lead sheep around, and and sheep are notoriously dumb animals. And so you got to be smarter than a sheep, and you can go, and you can learn to be a shepherd, and you can lead them around. And so in that time, they were not educated. They were incredibly insignificant. It was one of those, well, anybody can go do that sort of of professions. And here's the angels coming and uh, declaring the Christ child to them. And I have a, uh, a friend that's a pastor that loves to read this, and he always says something like, isn't it amazing that God would come to somebody so insignificant? And I go, yeah, yeah, I think it is. But it's also exactly what God had done up to that point. It's what he did throughout the New Testament, and it's what he still does today. Is he comes to people that the culture tends to say are completely insignificant. And he comes to them. He uses them for his purposes In the world. One of my very favorite examples of this, some of you will know this story, many of you will. In the Old Testament, you have um, Israel that was ruled by these judges, and they all looked at the nations around them that didn't follow God, and they said, Hey, they all got kings, we should get kings too. And God said, You don't want a king, you want a judge. That's a way you show that you are different, that you are mine, somebody that's gonna lead you in that way. And they said, No, that's nice, we want a king. And so Samuel said, "Lord, I don't know what to do." He was the last judge of Israel, and God said, "They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. So we'll get them a king." And they have a king named Saul, and it doesn't go well. And then the time comes to try and go, "What are we going to do now?" And so Samuel has to figure it out. And So this comes from 1 Samuel 16. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? And he goes to anoint a new king. Fill your horn with oil and go. So he can go and anoint the person that God shows him to be the next king. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons, And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he'll kill me. He says, the king's not gonna like this if I'm doing this behind his back. And so God gives him away. He says, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I'll show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. And it says, Samuel did what the Lord commanded and he came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and they said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably. I have come to offer sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab, one of his other sons, and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, another son. He said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And his response is quite telling. He said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. I kind of picture him doing it like this, like going, yeah, they're all here. I mean, there's this other guy. He's out the youngest. I'm sure you don't want to see him. He's just out there tending the sheep anyway that anybody could do. So I'm sure it's not him. So let's go back to my other sons and see where you missed it the first time around, Samuel. There's just this one insignificant boy left. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So Jesse sent and he brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. And they haven't said his name to this point. But Samuel then took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And it says, and the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David... From that day forward, the one who was anointed king over Israel was the one who his father said, basically all my sons that could possibly do this are here. The only other one that's left is he's very insignificant. He's just a shepherd boy out in the field there. And uh, he's also the youngest, and that's never what happens. It should be one of these guys. So I had to get one to keep the sheep. And so I was like, well, David can do that. Anybody can do that. So I left him, and I brought you everybody else. I left the least significant person out there. So surely you don't care about him. Surely it can't be him. And it was. And that's how God works. People that we look at and go, wow, they are so significant. They are so important. Sometimes God uses them. But, man, you just see it throughout the Bible. You just see God taking people that the culture says they don't matter. And he takes them and uses them for his purposes, for his glory. Think about Zechariah, the priest, although he was kind of up there in the Jewish world. There's still This is Roman occupation that's happening. He was used in the New Testament that he's going to have John the Baptist who a lot of people thought was crazy when they, when they met him. If you read the story about John the Baptist, and with this woman named Elizabeth as well, names that you probably wouldn't know if they weren't in the story of Jesus Christ. These are not famous people in their time, famous people in their culture. What about Mary and Joseph? Do you think you would know them if they didn't have baby Jesus? Yet 2,000 years later, these insignificant people We all know their names. It's just sort of worked its way in its culture in a different language across the ocean for centuries now. And most people in America would just know. Yeah, Mary and Joseph. The culture, completely insignificant. You know who the significant people were? Quirinius. Nobody would know the name Quirinius, who was the governor of Syria, if not for Luke 2 and Charlie Brown Christmas, where they quote it. Um, What about Pontius Pilate? Maybe you would have heard of King Herod a little bit, just kind of historically. But those are the people in the culture that are significant. And what what are they there for? They're there to show that God is above the most powerful people. He is, there, he is there to show that even these people that the world says are so important and so significant. God says, I'm going to go get glory for myself by using the people that are insignificant in the culture. We would not have heard of Pontius Pilate, of Herod, and certainly not of Corinius, if they weren't these B characters in the story of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We wouldn't even know who they are. Yet we got Mary, we got Joseph, we, we have those people. The insignificant people in the culture that God uses even today. The, cur- the currently insignificant people can be eternally significant. This is probably great news for people like you and me today that live in a culture that says, if you want to be significant, you got to climb some corporate ladder. You got to have a YouTube channel with a zillion views and you've got to be famous and you've got to be popular and you've got to have all these different things and and we can look at that and go, those things are fantastic. Feel free to go, well, I have to think of what I said. I think go do all those, it's fine. But God can also take you right where you are and use you. And if the world says you are incredibly insignificant and maybe you've bought that to think, I don't really matter. And you look at the history of how God has dealt with his people. He has taken people that the world says are insignificant and used them in powerful ways for his purposes. Don't miss that. So, hear this again. Hear this about these shepherds. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear.